Hello, and welcome to an episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today, I'm with Trey Hope. Trey Hope is a YouTube content creator and software developer for Flutter. Hello, Trey. How are you? I'm doing good, Alan, man. Appreciate you for having me. How are you doing? Uh, could be better. As we said this morning, uh, well, morning for me, night for you. I was rushing to get over here because I didn't check my schedule in the morning. But I'm happy uh, you stuck around and didn't uh, not too angry at me. So that's good. No, not at all, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So why don't we kind of go back to, you know, I think it's always good to kind of hear about your your background before we get into the meat of the the topic, right? So you're right now you're a Flutter developer full time. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Now, were you always working on Flutter? Is this your first programming language or kind of where did you start getting into programming? So I recently picked up Flutter probably like a year after its release. So I say somewhere in, in 2018, I picked up Flutter. But prior to that, I was doing native mobile app development, specifically on iOS. So I started working with like Swift um, probably back in like 2014, 15 is when I made my first iOS application. So I was doing a lot of mobile app development just natively prior to. Um, but before that, I really got started out with like web development, um, my first full time job. Um, out of college, I was a web developer and I was working with AngularJS as the primary framework. So I kind of just been on a like front end type journey when it comes to the, the development technologies that I was working with. Um, but ever since I picked up Flutter, um, I haven't really looked back. I haven't really touched any other frameworks unless I need to. Flutter just kind of been my main focus, my bread and butter. And um, now that Flutter is expanding to other platforms, I really don't see a need to really touch anything else unless I have to at this point also. So I've kind of been all over the board, but I've kind of figured out where I want to go now as far as the content that I'm making. And that's with Flutter. So how did you first get introduced to Flutter to begin with? I would think I was just like searching the web for just like different framework. Cause I've always been very inquisitive when it comes to different programming languages or frameworks to work with. And I had already like made iOS applications um, and, you know, had them on the market. I think I had a couple of them on the market, but I think I randomly just came across Flutter one day, like really random. I don't, I was never even looking for it, but I might've just been reading an article and something mentioned in that article that it is hybrid platform. So you can make it for, make your apps for iOS and Android simultaneously from one code base. And I remember reading that and I was like, well, this makes no sense to do native anymore if I can kill two birds with one stone. So that's really what kind of jump-started my interest in Flutter. And from there, I just started working on Flutter and making apps. So it was really by chance. Um, I figured I probably would have figured out Flutter later on anyways, just because it's a popular framework. But back then, it was really just random that I was looking for new technologies to play with. Now, did you ever take a look at technology like uh, Ionic or these other kinds of similar multi-platform solutions? No, I actually have not. Um, I've heard of React Native, um, but I never picked it up. Isn't Xamarin hybrid? I can't, I don't know if Xamarin's hybrid or not. Yeah, Xamarin's hybrid, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I heard of Xamarin. I used Xamarin one time for like a web application, but it was never for mobile application. So yeah, I honestly never really picked up any other framework. I think once I got my hands on Flutter, I figured this did everything that I needed to. And plus it integrated very well with Firebase and that was already out of the box amazing. So I was kind of like, anything else, if it is better, it'll prove itself to me later on in life. But right now, I'm just going to stick with Flutter. 
Okay, that's interesting. Uh, the the reason I ask is because, yeah, th- those other platforms are also claimed to be kind of you know multiple platforms with one code base, right? Especially React Native. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming from a web background, you may or may not. Well, you you probably didn't touch React, right? So you never really took a look at ReactJS one time. One time. Yeah. One time was too much for you, or how was the experience? No, no, no. Uh, I used it at my uh, old job maybe like two years ago, and I really did like React. I liked the idea of creating the components and how, you know, kind of similar to like Angular. Um, but I guess for me, since I had used Angular so long, I guess for me, I kind of have like a bias when I find a good framework that I almost don't want to touch anything else. So I was working with Angular JS and then Angular, of course. And I just never felt the need to touch React. So, well, it's kind of interesting too because React is just uh, what I would call just only like a view only framework, right? There's no, you know, it's only for the for the viewing part. It's not about anything else, as far as I've seen, because you have to have your own state management, your own whatever. Yeah, I've heard that as well. This is one small piece of it, right? It cannot come by itself. But Angular is like a full fledged like it's got everything, boxes, batteries included, as they call it, right? Yeah, everything. Um, they call it a super framework. I remember that was their slogan back when I was working with it at my job. So yeah, Angular provides a lot more out of the box. It's been so long since I touched it, but I, I really loved when I was working with Angular. Now, which Angular are you talking about? Angular 1, 2, or like 99 or 2000? Or which which version of Angular are you talking about? Angular JS when it first came out. And then after Angular JS, I think it was just called Angular, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that was Angular 1. But then after Angular 1, at that point, I wasn't really on web development anymore. So I kind of just put it to the side. So I didn't, I wasn't even privy to all the other anglers that came out after that first one. Okay. And that's the one where you attach everything to the scope, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the model view controller type setup. Yeah. Man, there's been a minute since I touched that. Yeah. Yeah. It was good when it first came out. I just wish, I just wish that they could keep the same style because it was dead simple and super fast, but I, I, maybe it's not scalable. I'm guessing that's probably why they had to change everything around. Yeah, that could be it. Actually, it's kind of curious though. But when you're in web development, have you ever heard of Dart before? Oh no, I had never heard of. I never heard of Dart until Flutter, and I wasn't. I didn't know that. Like, I guess Dart is actually a language that you can use to build web applications. But I didn't know that until I was already reading more about Dart because of Flutter. So, yeah, I wasn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's quite interesting because uh, I think I've heard of Dart a while ago, and I was like, "Why the heck do we want to use Dart?" Like, and then I saw that Google wanted to add it to their Chrome, and I was like, "Why the heck do we want to do that? We already got JavaScript. What else do you want to add to it? And yeah. how are you going to do all this stuff?" That was like my first thought. And you coming from Angular, they were pushing Angular with Dart for some time, and I think they dropped it and went to uh, TypeScript because of TypeScript being so popular. And then they still had some version of Angular with Dart. I remember. Then they just continued it publicly recently so I, I was just curious about if you ever took a look at it because you were in angular for some time at least that's actually pretty interesting to know i might have stuck with angular a little bit longer if, they, if i knew that they did that because i really love dart the language itself uh typescript's a great language too but dart is probably my favorite language so i might have stuck with Angular just a little bit longer if i knew that yeah that i mean for me like i I'm kind of languaged out because every language says they're great. Right? Nobody's going to ever say we're a crap language. Don't use us. So it's hard to yeah. figure out, you know, which one to take a look at. And you kind of get, like I said, language out, uh, but then kind of check things out when people tell you to check them out. And I don't think anybody around me ever said, take a look at Dart. Uh, the only thing I remember is like SAS, CSS was being rewritten with Dart. And I thought that was really weird because I didn't understand 
why Dart? Because nobody else is using Dart at the time. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, sorry. And the reason I want to ask about the other frameworks is because yeah, they they promise one code base, multiple platforms, but then there's a trade off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever played with an Ionic app before, or do you know what Ionic apps even look like? Uh, no, I've never touched Ionic apps or played with Ionic. Okay. Um, well, when I mean by touch, like like just downloading and using it, even because you can, at least for me, I can kind of tell when something's Ionic to a certain extent because it's just like uh, a web view, something like that, like wrapped around the container. So you can tell it's a web page. Is Ionic, if correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Ionic build the app natively to the device? Like it, it's not like Flutter where it's, it's the same app on both devices, but Ionic builds an Android app for Android device and an iOS app for an iOS device. Like it compiles to their native devices. Is that right? Um, so what, you know, if anybody at home wants to come onto the podcast to talk about Ionic, uh, I'm happy to hear that because I don't have extensive experience with it, but I've played around with it and I developed a little bit with it. The way I see Ionic is it's a web view or some type of a browser with a JavaScript engine all in there. And uh, it's very similar to, uh, I guess you could say it like this, imagine React Native. If, if you know how React Native kind of works, where there's, there's actually a JavaScript engine underneath it. But replace the native components, which it does make, which it does draw out, and replace it with a web page. Okay. So it's kind of like a windowless uh, website, and yeah, there's some binding that you can call native calls and stuff. But yeah, still, I mean, the thing that people really look at is always the UI. I mean, that's all you can look at. So if you can see and it looks like a crappy, you know, website, then you're gonna feel it, and the experience is not gonna be so nice. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, that's probably why I probably never touched Ionic. I've never really heard anyone speak about Ionic either. Um, and any of the, the communities that I've been in when it comes to mobile app development, Ionic is never mentioned. It's usually just React Native, uh, Flutter, probably one other that I'm drawing a blink on. But I've never heard anyone say, you got to check out Ionic. Yeah, I don't think anybody ever told, around me ever said, check it out. I think they just said, we use Ionic and because they want that multi-platform support. And there was no Flutter at the time. They said, I knew of. Yeah, and then also with, if you're using Node.js, then it just like makes more sense. They just say, oh, see, I can share the code between the front and back, et cetera, or one language, whatever. Right. Okay, so you, you I'm guessing you downloaded Flutter, you played around with it, and how was the, the first time? It was great, actually, because... From the minute I downloaded it, the process of getting the first app up and running was so simple and easy because, you know, when you create your first Flutter app, it's the the little example counter click here and increase the account, increase the the count on the screen. Um, I thought that that was so easy to set up because compared to like iOS, where you've got to go through a bunch of steps and configurations and connecting storyboards and buttons and pages. It was like, it was way more overhead to get an app started with iOS or Android, but with Flutter, I probably got it started within like five minutes. So my experience, my first experience with Flutter kind of exposed me to just how great this framework was because it made it feel as if I was almost playing with Legos when it came to development. It wasn't, the learning curve, learning curve was very, very smooth, you know? And, um, I think with Flutter, the reason it's so amazing is because it's it's simple enough that anyone can understand it, but complex enough to do a million and one things. So 
um, my very first experience from it before I was even really making apps, I was just playing around with it. I was just making random screens, putting random buttons on there, just, just having fun with it. But it was a great experience as soon as I got started with it. Yeah. Well, the one of the things that I knew right away or not knew, but I noticed right away was like, I did do native Android and native iOS and I never could figure out how to easily make custom components or even edit ones. So everything I had was just like the native, like the button looked like that. That was my button. Same for all. Like the typical, you download an Android app that's made from a new developer on Android and they all look exactly the same, the material UI, et cetera. Everybody has the top nav bar. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It gets the job done, but you know, they're not attractive. Right. But then like with, uh, flutter like wow i can make anything i wanted to make nearly i don't think there's anything where i'm like there's some things where i struggle with how to do it exactly but i know it can be done right like that's the big difference for me yeah they really they really capitalize on the idea of creating your own widgets you know um and i think that that's clearly what android native i wasn't android was lacking yet but that's why i go that's why i go back to my previous point about it feels like i'm playing with legos when i'm in flutter because if I build, let's say, a boat in Legos, I can reuse that same boat to build a bigger ship later on and then use that ship to fit into, you know what I mean? Just I'm, I'm really piecing the puzzle together while I'm coding. And that made it feel as if it's, it's very interactive and fun at the same time. So, yeah, I really I really like the, the concept of the widgets and components that Flutter provides. Yeah, they provide quite a bit out of the box, but there's always something lacking. And this kind of leads us into kind of the main topic today. We were talking before the show about foldables, right? So I said, I've got, you know, Samsung Fold. Yeah. I think that there's a future in these. I don't know what the future is going to be. I'm afraid to say something and get wrong. But I think that there's definitely a target for this. And for me, I'm a target. Uh, I want to be able to put something in my pocket, use it. And then also, if I need more real estate, I could just open it up some way. And I have that. Because there's so many times where like I find something funny and I want to like show it to a friend and I need to make it bigger because they're not as close as I am to the device. So it's nice to have an iPad, but nobody's gonna walk around the iPad. That's iPad mini. Right. But you know, some it depends on what you like, right? For me, I have an iPad Pro twelve inch at home that I watch uh, YouTube and stuff on all the time. Yeah. Obviously I got my phone. Uh for work I have a um because I'm walking around different rooms all the time, I have an iPad Pro eleven inch. So it's kind of a compromise. I'm right there with you, buddy. Is that the 12 inch? Uh, I think this is 13. I honestly, I don't even know the size. Uh, I forgot. I think it's 13. Do they come in 13? I think it's 12.9 for the biggest one. For the that's the pro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the pro. I really just use it for like reading a lot. I don't even use it for anything else. But I just can't read off of my phone. I like to read off of the the tablet. Yeah, it's the same. I, I like to read it. I like to hold. Oh, I have a Kindle for that somewhere. I got a couple of Kindles, but I don't have so much time as I had before. I used to train. I used to, um, you know, always go from home to office very far. I forgot what the hell they call that now. My English is getting worse since I moved out here. Uh, you know, the trans, the transit, right? I used to transit from very far mm-hmm. to go from office to work, and so I would have like an hour and a half, and I would just read. So in a month, I'd have a couple of books done. It worked out for me. Uh, but anyways, let's go back to the main topic. So I think the support was added in by Microsoft. Is that correct? Yes. So the package that I, that I came across, it was developed by Microsoft. I don't think that Flutter, like the actual 
I don't think they have an official package made by them yet. Um, and so I think Microsoft was just kind of trying to test the waters to see where it can go in the future. Um, I think they did a good job based on what they provided so far, but I, I'm really interested to see how Flutter themselves tackles this this uh, this concept. I can imagine that probably uh, because, how do I say this? So Chris Sells, who I had some relationship before, his sole job is actually working with kind of corporates and trying to help them to adopt Flutter. So I can imagine that he probably spent some time with Microsoft and kind of walked them through how to add support because the Flutter team itself who developing stuff is super small. I think it's less than 20 people in total. I, I may be wrong. Really? So, and the amount, well, the amount of foldables out there is not big, right? Sorry, go ahead. I would say less than 20 people really on, on the Flutter team. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if it's even less than 10, but that doesn't count the dart, the dart team, right? The dart team has to be at least 10. I would think, I don't know. I guess it could be under 10 people because the fact that it's anyone can, you know, support Flutter or, or make their own contributions I guess that's how they get most of their help. Maybe it is only like 10, 20 people, but they're really cranking work out. If they, if it's that little amount of people, they're really, really working. I mean, don't forget that. Uh, so companies that are using it are also contributing back. And Flutter is not like a batteries built in uh, system, right? It's not like you come from web development. I'm sure you've probably heard of Rails, right? Where it's like, there's a Rails way to do it. And there's only one way to do it. And if you try to go against it, you're going to hurt yourself. No, you can do whatever you want, right? So they kind of keep it, like you said, Lego, where you kind of build your own stuff. So they keep the base pretty solid and up to the community to do what they want with it. That makes sense. And I mean, foldables is also like, there's some foldable laptops, I think, but not uh, much else in terms of other kinds of devices. So for them to focus on foldables, especially so early in, I think it's pretty early in foldables because not that many companies are doing it. And the people who are buying them is very niche, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know too many people that are doing foldable right now either. But um, I'm starting to see a lot more commercials on it, so that's that's kind of why I wanted to do uh, that video about foldable devices because even though I don't have one myself and I don't know anyone around me that has one, I'm starting to see the concept of foldable devices mentioned more so than I ever had before. Like I'm seeing. It just seemed like every other commercial, there's some type of Android foldable device that is being displayed. And so I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. There's probably going to be a huge surge of foldable devices within the next coming years. So I feel like you always, if you want to ride a wave, you got to get on the wave early, you know? And so that's kind of what intrigued me to do that video about foldable devices. And maybe I'll even get one here soon. So we'll see. If you got two thousand bucks, I guess you can get one. They're about that price, I think, and maybe less than two thousand bucks, but still way more than a thousand. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I don't, I don't know if I want to come back to Android. I do love Android. I just don't know if I want to come back to it so soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean, but it's also kind of for me. I like to change stuff once in a while, so it is kind of nice. But the problem is, like, the ability to switch between Android and iOS is not easy. I mean, some apps are available, some apps not. But then the other thing, too, is um, they don't make it easy to switch between the two to migrate. Yeah. So you really need to have, like, two SIM cards or whatever to, to really enjoy it. They almost make you want to, like, second guess the idea of going back to a different device because of everything that would come with going back over that great wall. You know, like, do you really want to switch everything? Do you really want to step out of this ecosystem? 
if you're going from Apple to Android, you really want to give up the Apple Watch syncing with your desktop or your iPad, you know? And I was like, uh, they, they really do a good job of making that wall huge enough to where you've really considered staying with a certain device forever. Yes. But I guess that's what big business is about. Uh, I think I saw, do you know this guy named, I think his, I think his nickname is Mr. Mobile. He he does a lot of reviews uh, about Android. Not familiar. Etc. Okay. Uh, he does tech reviews for basically everything, like all kinds of tech stuff. And he did a recent review uh, on, on iPhone 14. And he basically said what a lot of people are saying, which is it's it's not a big upgrade from 13. But what you're getting out of it is you're stuck in the ecosystem, right? So you can see in my hand, I have my AirPod Pro 2. Okay. I got my Apple Watch. I got my iPhone. I got my iPad. I got, I'm running on a Mac because I have to build for all platforms. And only Mac can do that yeah. because you cannot build for iOS on yeah. whatever. So I'm kind of stuck in the ecosystem. And so, yeah, once you're there, it's like, you know, shit, everything kind of works. Like sometimes like I need to copy a link from my phone to my computer to open it. I could copy it and now it's on my clipboard on my Mac. It's it's awesome. Like I don't need to do anything. Yeah, exactly. These little things make a big difference. I'm um, I'm team Apple all the way to everything Apple. So as soon as Apple makes a foldable device, we might have checked that out. We might actually go ahead and let go of uh let go of the single one, go ahead and get a foldable. Yeah, definitely. I think once once this comes there, because people know, I mean, Apple's kind of known as playing it safe or kind of putting together tech that makes sense. That's kind of proven, right? So, yeah. Uh, I guess yeah. once Apple does it, then it means that this technology is solid and they also see a future in it. They don't get everything right, though, right? Let's be honest. They don't get everything right, but they, they tend to set trends, right? I think uh, it's a little bit... Actually, does this phone even have... So this fold this also does not have an audio jack. I haven't seen a phone with an audio jack in quite some time. It's a feature phone. Yeah, they got rid of it. Thought that was uh that was one of the craziest things that I, I saw when it came to uh features that were removed from a new device. But it was just like once it was gone, you couldn't really complain anymore because it's just like it's just gone. Like what can we really do as consumers, you know? And their whole reason was um was it like saving memory or, or I don't even remember the reason. It was some legit reason that they, as Apple provided as to getting rid of the audio jack. But I thought that was the the biggest scam to just get more money of like, okay, now you have to buy a adapter to use audio jack. And it's just like, all right, come on. If you just want us to buy extra equipment, just say that. Yeah. But the other thing too, is I think Things have gone Bluetooth way, right? Bluetooth has become better. Like I, I actually interned at Motorola when iPhone came out. Mm -hmm. So that was when the first iPhone came out a long time ago, right? And I remember back then Bluetooth was crap and it just sucked the battery out of your device. And also that small device did not last very long. Yeah. Now, I mean, your, your, your watch stays connected to your device all day. I don't think it causes big mode because there's now we have Bluetooth LE, low energy, right? Compared to then there was no LE. So life has changed a lot. And um, yeah, and now that they have these cases that can charge it up for a couple of times, I mean, life is totally different. Yeah. I cannot imagine going back to a wire, right? Because also I, I did, I, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I would put my hands around and I would knock out the wire and my phone would go flying or rip out the earbuds of my ears. I definitely enjoy the uh, simplicity of using Bluetooth at this point. I just felt like back then it was like, such a sudden switch where it was just like, okay, I guess there's no jack now, you know, 
And as consumers, we just had to eat it. But yeah, I, I use Bluetooth for, for my music, my watch. I'm using AirDrop when I need to share files between my iPad and my desktop. So I definitely, I'm, I'm not mad at Bluetooth today. I don't want that to come off like I'm mad at it. I just think back then it was like a sudden switch that kind of caught us off guard. And I think that there was companies like Samsung that were like, hey, we have an iPhone. We have a we have a we have a jack, right? Didn't didn't that came out a couple of times? I think uh, Samsung was like, we, our phones have 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 jacks. Don't worry about it. I don't know. I'm not familiar. It's been a while since I had Samsung. I, I just remember the commercials and advertisements coming out. But um, uh, sorry, we keep getting thrown off another direction. Let's let's go back to that main <laughs> no, topic. It's all good. We, we're talking tech, man. It's all good. We're talking tech. Okay, yeah. So you added the package in. Like, how did you actually learn how to use it? Because I I, I did breeze through the video quite some time back. And I thought it was a little bit complicated. Um, it wasn't so straightforward as, as some other widgets in Flutter are. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure if I just sat there and looked at it and actually followed along, maybe it'd make more sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I really just looked at the uh, the documentation on the website. Um, I, I looked at an a, a article um, on Microsoft's website as well, briefly talking about it. Um, for me, it really it really wasn't too hard to understand. It was more so understanding the concept of when this widget would actually work. So I found out that um, it has to be like when I was using on an emulator, the foldable device, it has to be a foldable device that you're working with to actually see the functionality take place. If you're using that widget on just a normal screen, like a basic screen, none of those features work. So it, it's a little confusing there because you would think that this package should just kind of be null and void if you're not on a foldable device, but you can still work with it. Just none of the properties change when it's using a single screen. So um, once I got past that part of understanding that, okay, this is literally for foldable devices, even though it says this, even though it, it can be worked with on any device, it is literally only for specific devices that have dual screens. Once I got past that, it was pretty easy to pick up, I think. Now this is a, a some a question that's in my mind right now. I think I'm aware that I think the Surface, the one done by Microsoft, is actually yeah the Surface Duo two, Surface Duo, that one is literally two screens, right? Mm -hmm. But have you seen the Surface Duo two? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that one literally has a hinge in the middle and it's two screens. Yeah. But what I have over here in my hand is a single screen that can fold. So is there actually a difference between the two? in terms of how this library actually works? So the library will work the exact same on both of those devices because on your device, it would recognize it as two screens. Um, on the Service Duo 2, even though it's one screen but folds into two, um, somehow the, the library is able to pick up that there are two different window panes that are on this device. I'm not sure how it does that. I'm not sure of all the magic that it does but it somehow is able to know that, all right, there are two containers essentially that we're gonna be working with when we're developing on this device. I think that the package states that it works for dual screen and foldable. So yours is technically dual screen, if I'm not mistaken. And the, the duo that you just mentioned, I believe is considered a foldable. Okay, because what I see over here is the dual actually has a hinge in the middle and it's two separate screens. Right, it folds up though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that would be considered the foldable. Yours is the dual screen. I know it's, it's a little tricky, but they say that they provide for those type of uh, devices, dual screen and foldable. So I know a lot of times when we hear uh, dual screen, we automatically think that it has to be a certain type of device, but it really means dual screen and foldable devices. 
and those are different. That makes sense. But now the question comes into okay, so that part works. Are you familiar with the Flip from Samsung and some? And there's also a Motorola one too, the Razer. Not really, no. I may have seen it one time, but I don't know much about it. Okay, so imagine, you know, you know the fold I have, right? This one. Yeah. Now imagine that the phone is always like this, but it clamshells, right? The top part will go down to the bottom part and folds in half. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a small screen on the outside. Yeah. I'm curious about if there's any support for something like that because I've seen those are really popular with girls and I'm not too sure why. I think because it's like the makeup for them. You know what I mean? They pop open their makeup. You know how they look in their mirror. Oh, makeup. yeah. It, it could be, yeah, because that outside screen and it has a camera so maybe you can see yourself without opening it up. I don't know. Yeah, it could that's, be. That's probably, why the, that's probably why the ladies like it. Um, But no, I, I, I've only seen... that. Those are the devices I've seen commercials for, actually, is the ones that fold uh vertically. Um, But I... I I don't know much about them. I probably should have demoed that package on a device like that, but um, I couldn't really find too many emulators when I was working on that video. I, I only could use that one emulator that I had in the video. I think there, I don't know if there's enough emulator support for foldable and dual screen devices out there already. So unless I already had a device myself, I was kind of out of luck um, in regards to finding a device to actually use as a simulator for my um for my development. That's true. I guess that's one of the things that's going to cause a problem is that it's hard to emulate that kind of device because not that many people are developing for them. And if they are, they probably actually went out and bought one because that's the only way to really do it. Exactly. Yeah. I know that Microsoft, they provided uh, an emulator, a foldable emulator um, along with that package. Uh, you can download it on their website, but outside of Microsoft, I don't, I don't see where else you can get an emulator for that. It's very interesting because I think everybody knows Samsung and then they know some other brands um, like Razer from Motorola also has this kind of style that, like you said, that vertical fold. But the um, I don't think anybody, I don't know anybody who has a Surface 2 Duo. I, I don't think anybody has a Microsoft phone nowadays. I, I don't know. Maybe have you heard of anybody? Do you know of anybody that has one? Man, none none of the people I hang around have ever had anything outside of iOS or Android. The closest thing that we had outside of those two platforms is maybe a BlackBerry, but this was back when I was in high school. Uh, but as far as a Microsoft phone or a Windows phone, like, nah, we we don't do those over here. <laughs> well, no, not even that. I'm talking about um. So the Microsoft ditched Windows quite a few years ago now they're using android and they're still releasing phones oh really so the foldable support provided by microsoft is actually an android phone oh didn't know that okay yeah so that that's why they released the uh, support because they have a, it's a phone called surface 2 duo with a hinge in the middle literally two screens on each side that's their kind of device of, of choice i can uh but it's an android device though yeah okay interesting should be i mean i don't i think they they dropped it all so in the chat, I'll send you a link to Amazon. Here's a device, and there's no there's no outside screen actually, which is interesting. It's only like you can fold it out, so it's a it's a two way fold if that makes sense. You could fold it back and fold it closed. That's what it looks like to me. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. And then this one should be Android, as far as I know. I wouldn't mind having one of these though. I don't, it's not expensive. I mean, it's just a couple hundred bucks, I think. Yeah. What is the size of? Uh, 5.8 inches. Okay. I would get one of these phones for like development purposes only. I probably wouldn't even really do anything on it, but just to have fun with working with uh, foldable development, I'd probably get a device like this.
Yeah, they look nice, and and nobody's talking about them, which is interesting. Nobody's buying them, as far as I know. As far as I know, I would I would love to hear somebody if they bought one and what they think about it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, your video is pretty straightforward. I just need to sit down and just really look at it and play around with it because it's it, there is quite a few options, right? I think. Uh, what was the options you have again? It, it's like for different situations, you can choose what to show, right? Yeah, there's um the option to change the. Um, container width as far as the left pane and the right pane. So by default, it's 50-50, but you can modify that to be 30-70 or whatever it is. Yeah, that's the op- one of the options. I'm really drawing a blank. I don't know if, now that I think about it, I think that on dual screen devices, it's 50-50 always. I'm, I, I got to go back to the video. It's been a minute, but I know that you can change the the left or right window pane width uh, with percentage, you can also change if you want the pane to be vertical, if you want it to be horizontal or vertical, and then you can also change the direction of the window pane. So if you want it to be pane A on top and pane B on bottom or pane A on bottom and pane B on top. So those are three of the options that I know off the top of my head. There might be one more, but those are the three that I can remember. Okay. That's pretty thorough. I think, I don't think there's many other people putting videos out about foldables and how to work with them in Flutter. So that's why I thought your video was super interesting. And it's pretty recent too, I think, right? When, when did you release it? Like a couple months ago, I think? Yeah, probably like two months ago. I was just looking through my YouTube uh, videos and uh, I think that it said it was about two months ago, two or three months ago, not too long ago. And I really didn't see any other videos on foldable devices. A lot, there was a few articles about it, but I'm a visual learner. I like to see things kind of hands-on and really in action to get an understanding of it. So once I got on YouTube and didn't see too many videos talking about it, I figured it'd be a more than opportune time to talk about this topic and hopefully it can help someone else that's trying to learn about foldable devices. Yeah, I had to share with some people over here to see if they can play around with it because I got this phone to kind of learn about foldables, but I had just been sitting on my desk and I've been playing with it, but not really working on any apps with it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't checked out any of your other content. I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but I'll be direct. I haven't checked it out, but I can imagine it's probably pretty thorough and pretty, pretty decent content because based on the video I saw for foldables. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, uh, I try to tackle different topics about flutter that usually I am interested in one, but then two that I don't think that a lot of people are speaking about just yet. So I'll do various topics on even different Flutter packages. Um, I have like this sort of playlist where I just run through different Flutter packages that people would maybe need, um, but there isn't too much of an explanation of it on YouTube yet. Or I'll show someone how to set up their own API using Google Cloud Functions, you know, Um, something that is very vital, but outside of Google and outside of Google themselves, not too many people would be discussing it or demonstrating it. So my goal is always to kind of take these topics and bring them into a more realistic realm because it's someone like me who's just an average developer like the other person and discuss it in a manner that they can actually grasp and understand it a little bit better versus them trying to understand super thorough documentation on Google's website because I know me, I get kind of overwhelmed when I'm trying to understand some of their technologies and I'm just like, okay, I don't need to do A through Z. I just need A, B, C, you know? And so that's really my goal is to kind of take these harder topics and bring them to a a more realistic and understandable level. So you're basically digesting things and kind of 
I want to say that we're dumbing it down, but it doesn't make that, that that's not what it is. It's kind that's of exactly, making, exactly. Ma- <laughs> I mean, making the content easier for most people to understand, right? Yes, it, absolutely. And I always and I and I always try to, if I can, keep the videos as short as possible too, um, because we could make long videos all day, but realistically, people don't really like watching videos that are too long unless. Unless it's like a college student that has a, a paper on the topic or something, they're most likely going to want to watch a video that's under 10 minutes. So I may take a concept that would take maybe 30 minutes to set up or understand and try to condense it into 10 minutes if possible. Um, and if I can do that, then I feel like I did my job as far as making this content more digestible for the average consumer. Yeah, we only have a short attention span and sometimes we're also in a rush too. It's like, I just want the answer. Like, Exactly. Have you ever exactly. looked at Python documentation before? I think maybe once um, a couple of years ago, I was trying out for a Python position. I wasn't trying to get the position because I had already got a job somewhere else, but I was just trying to play around with Python. So I looked at it briefly when when they went to review my Python code. They were like, no, we're not hiring him. And rightfully so, because I wasn't doing a good job. But I was just like, I just want to play around with it. Um, so I did look at it one time before, but not enough to recite it or actually regurgitate any of the information that I obtained. Okay, a homework assignment for you if you're interested. You can go back and take a look at some Python docs, right? So for me, what I like to look at is I like to see, okay, here's the method name, and this is how to use it. Like an example is always great to have, or a couple is even better. And then a brief explanation about the arguments and everything else. And then like, that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to get shit done. But when I look at Python docs, it's the only one that sticks in my head where you need to read a book about the whole thing. So they don't just like, they talk about like theory or something. I'm not too sure what they talk about, but if you take a look at simple methods, there are at least a couple paragraphs long of just stuff. And I'm like, well, I just don't even know about how the heck to use this thing. I don't care about the theory, right? I know about this stuff. I just want to know how to use this stupid method so I can do what I need to do. Yeah. That's uh that would be a turnoff for me. If I were ever going into Python seriously, I don't, I don't like extremely long documentation. I don't, I understand the purpose of it. But we're in a microwave age where we want things quick and easy. And when things look like it's going to take longer than what I needed to just to pick up the understanding of a method, I might just put it down and go to an easier framework like Flutter, you know. Um, so but that's just me. No, I don't think I don't think it's just you because you and I are very much the same on this part. I just want to get shit done. I need to get this thing out the door. I know enough programming to understand about most of this stuff. If I really want to know more, then I'll Google search. And I'll figure out what's going on. Exactly. I don't want to spend the time trying to understand the theory of a string. I, I know what a heck a string is. If I need to know more about strings in your thing, I'll, I'll yeah. look it up. <laughs> I don't want to do all this stuff. Just tell me what it is I want to do. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. I mean, I don't think I have anything else. I think um, check out your channel. Channel. I think it's called Trey Codes, right? Yes, sir. Trey Codes. T-R-E-Y-C-O-D-E-S. I'm on YouTube. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. Same name. Um, I also uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. I post my content there, but that you most likely are going to get the same content on those three platforms. So Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, you can find every video that I got and I post weekly. So I post every Friday, different topics, um, wide variety of whatever I'm talking about, but it's usually based around Flutter and Firebase. So yeah, just tune in, man. And I'll be sure to tune into your channel as well. I'm going to check it out after this uh, and I'll be sure to subscribe. Awesome. Yeah, we had some pretty good uh, guests from before. 
And I was just looking because you got your hair pulled back, and I was looking at your Instagram over here. You got some <laughs> long dreads, man. Thank you, man. Five years in counting, man. Five years. I'm always quite curious about how how dreads how they work. I understand that if you, when I was told uh, from a guy who did have dreads, if I remember, this is 20 years ago. When you put in dreads, you cannot wash your hair because it's just going to fall out or whatever. Something happens. Something bad happens, right? Nah, that's that's a that's a myth. So you you can definitely wash your hair, absolutely. Um, but you're not supposed to wash it too often. Um, I think it starts, uh, it can cause like some breakage when it comes to the hair, I believe, if you wash it too much. Um, so the goal, I personally try to wash it. See, I, don't, I shouldn't even be saying this because there's going to be someone out there that's like, he only washes it every other week or what? But me personally, I, I may wash it like if that every other week, maybe three weeks, you know, but I don't, I don't wash it too often because. For one, I'm not really I, I don't I don't feel like I'm doing anything that's getting it super dirty. I wear, you know, hair protector and everything like that. And then plus when I wash it, it can unravel the roots of the hair. And so I try not to do that as well. So you know. But I try to get it retwisted every six weeks. So that is something that you should do if you ever want dreads. If you're ever interested in getting dreadlocks, you go ahead and, and know that you get retwisted every six weeks. But it looks, I think it's painful, right? I, I, I know the cornrow stuff is super painful. Like it pulls on your scalp, but does, is it also hurt to, to, to twist your hair too for dreads? You know, when I first started getting twisted, it hurt like hell. Um, but I think that was just because the person I was going to was going too hard on my head and I'm kind of tender headed. But at this point in my life, it just feels like someone's just playing in your hair and just pulling a little bit. It doesn't really hurt me anymore. Um, but when it first started, yeah. It was someone just yanking your hair and just twisting it. It's like, yeah, it used to hurt. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Because it's really specialty stuff. I don't know where to even go for something like that if I wanted to get that done. Plus, I don't think I would like to – I'm losing too much hair, so I don't know if I'd really want to <laughs> go and try to grow. I'd be like the some of these guys over here have, you know, the uh, they grow half the head is very long, so they can comb it over. So that's maybe the only style I'll have. Maybe I can dread that part. I don't know. Yeah, that might look good, man. If you get that, if you actually go with that style, let me know. I'd love to see it. Uh, yeah, if I do, I don't. I don't know if I really want to go and get every six weeks get hair maintenance, but I guess I'm doing that anyway. I think to be honest, I think every six weeks you probably need to get a haircut, anyways, if you're having short hair. Now that I think about it, so it's not too bad. Maybe even maybe even sooner than six weeks. You might go. Well, how often do you? Every month, a month and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably go sooner than six weeks, so it's probably about the same. Okay, well, it's good to hear. So, if people at home are interested in dreadlocks. You, you just got a one on one about dreadlocks. Don't quote me, man. I, I just I do what I do with my hair, but I'm not the the lock bible, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> your hair, your choice. My body, my choice. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Uh, again, thank you for your time, and uh, I appreciate uh, the knowledge about foldables and dreads. So now I feel much smarter. Absolutely. Thank you, Alan, so much for having me on your show, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for waiting for me. Absolutely. Absolutely.